So we are in Colossians. We're going through this small little book that, that Paul has written four chapters. Today we're going to be talking about these three things. Why do you have to guard your heart above all else? Why do you have to guard your heart above all else? We're, we're told that in the book of Proverbs. Guard your heart above all things, it says. Proverbs 4.23. Because... Out of your heart is the wellspring of life. In other words, means this, that out of your heart, all of the way that you live your life is impacted by what has happened in your heart. Good, bad, and ugly. And so he says, guard it. Now, the cool thing is that, that even if we haven't guarded it well and we've been careless with our heart or we've been hurt with by things, God is able to transform our heart. He says he's putting a new heart in us when we come to him. So that's what we're going to be talking about, why we need to guard our heart. Number two, we're going to be talking about, I'm looking at my own email that I sent to you guys this morning. Number two, we're going to be talking about what Jesus is looking for in Christian living. What Jesus is looking for in Christian living. I think Colossians chapter three is probably one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament because it's so practical. There's no like you know, having to guess between the lines or there's just, it's like cut and dry. Paul is, is speaking very plainly to this is what it means. And then lastly, how husbands and wives should relate in the modern age. And why we need to talk about that is because the scripture talks about wives submit to the, your husbands. And we think that might be old school. And we're going to address that a little bit uh, as well. And by the way, it's not just wives. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. I love the church. There's going to be a high calling on you. We'll get into that in a minute. I think the best way to approach this, um, this chapter, though, is just to start reading through it and, and kind of making some, some observations as we're going through there. There's, I really encourage you to take some notes because um, God's going to speak to your heart. He's going to highlight one of those scriptures and he's going to say, this is for you. So whether you're on your phone in your notes section or you have a pen and paper or if you want to take one of our offering envelopes and write on it, feel free. So Colossians chapter 3. There's this kind of this put off and put on. Can you say put off and put on? Here we go. Put off and put on. And it's, it's again, that makes me feel very practical, right? It's like, let's take off some things and then let's put some things on. And don't worry, I'm not going to be taking off <laughs> too many things here this morning as an illustration. But in your mind, you have to realize, I'm I've got to take some things off, but then I've also got to put some things on. And this is what he says. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek, can you say seek? See, that word seek means is pursue with intentionality. Pursue with intentionality the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. So he, remember in Philippians, it says, think on these things, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is holy, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. The world will tell us what we need to be thinking on. Social media will tell us what we should be thinking on. Our scrolling, our movies, our series will tell us what we should be thinking on. But instead, Paul is reminding us that set our minds on things above and to think on them, meditate on them, consider them, ponder them, pursue them. 
For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he's not saying that you're dead. (laughs) He's saying that you've died to your old ways. When you came to Christ, you were living a certain way. You only were informed by following your earthly passions. But when you came to Christ, Jesus now lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And you are a new creation, but then you have the battle that goes on. You have your flesh, and then you have the Spirit of God within you. And you now have to learn how to die to your flesh, die to the world's ways, and allow your spirit to come alive as a new creation. But this is what he's saying. So here's what you have to put to death. So when Christ appeared in your life... Let me just say this in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So he's saying, you're going to be recognized by the spirit of Christ in you. And by the way, how do we know that we're Christians? By our love. By our love. I don't know about this whole love thing. I, I just know that something has happened in my life that all of a sudden I'm starting to understand what this love is. And if you are, are unsure what love is, you just need to go to 1 Corinthians chapter, I think, 14. 13, 13 is the love chapter. And, and you have to begin to then meditate on those. This is what love is. And as we get into husbands and, and wives, talking about how do we love our spouse is really practical. How do we love each other? It's really practical. Love is patient, love is kind, love is go through that whole list. I don't have it open in front of me, but think of those things. Okay, here's the things we're put to put off. Here's the things we're put off. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. So you want something that's not yours, and that's idolatry. You have unholy... Observa- or not observate, unholy desires for things. That's covetousness. Put those things to death. Cast them away. Put them off. Uh, can I just address something real? Talking about um, sexual immorality. Pornography is very pervasive in our culture, and it almost feels like it's normal. But can I tell you the damage that is doing to our society, the damage it's doing to our relationships, the damage it's doing to our young people? The, the reality is, is pornography, it's, it's addictive, like many things that we try to uh, soothe ourselves with. But it creates patterns in our brain that eventually get worn in our brain that you have to keep feeding something, but it creates your, your relationships. Um, it really damages long-term relationships. And so he's addressing, you know, sexual immorality back then. They didn't have, you know, you know, pornographic images on that are so accessible on our devices, but they had lust that were in people's hearts. And they were like, you know, do I have pure thoughts and, or do I lust after, you know, people in my community or whatever that situation would have been. But I want to encourage you that, that if you are feeling trapped in any of those types of things, there is freedom and there are ways out. And you can talk to me and you can talk to Pastor Richie and we'll help you find those places because we have to put those things to death if we're going to live freedom with freedom with Christ. And there's a lot of other things that we soothe ourselves with when, when we feel lack of connection. And he's wanting us to put to death those things. Um, in these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, Malice. Malice is like, I'm going to get you back. 
I'm going I'm to hurt you because you've hurt me. Malice. Um, slander. Obscene talk from your mouth. Ask yourselves, what's, what's coming out of your mouth? What is, what is the kind of talk that's coming out of your mouth? Now, he's saying that's once you once were. And so he's saying, guard yourself, guard your heart, because out of your heart is the wellspring, right? What comes out of your mouth is not just from your mind. It also comes from your heart. And so we have to guard our heart. Now, if, we start, if you start noticing that some things that are coming out of your mouth that maybe are a little bit off, you might say, what's going on in my heart? What, what God, what do I need to surrender in my heart to you that you want to change in me, that you want to um, work in my life so, so my, what comes out of my mouth reflects what's in the heart, that I, I can see the goodness that's coming out of my heart, not these other things. Then it says, do not lie. Verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off your old self with its practices, and you've put on, now here he goes. So we're putting off things, now we're putting on things, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its created. Renewed in the knowledge. That's why I love that little video we just watched. Because the word of God has the power to renew your mind. You want to have your mind renewed? I would challenge you, stop watching things, stop scrolling through things, and pursue the word of God and ask him, Holy Spirit, as I read the word of God, let it renew my mind that it begins to change my heart and change my spirit that aligns my desires to you. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator, Jesus Christ. Here, there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Basically, he's saying that we're talking about something that's spiritual here. We're just not talking about race, creed. We're not talking about, you know, where you're from. He's just saying what is the beautiful part of being a follower of Jesus is that we're one family. I, was, I loved my time with some of the Ukrainian refugees, it was interesting, we, we had a moment after we spent some time sharing stories, and it's heartbreaking to know that some of these wives have to leave their husbands. They come into Poland with their families, but their husbands are staying back in the Ukraine to fight. Every conversation they have is like, this might be the last time we get to talk to each other. My heart just like, oh my word, I thought I had you know, some challenges, but my heart just well like, this is awful. But after we got done, we, we got in a circle and we... The, the, this one Ukrainian refugee told us to like put our hands like this, cup it like this, and then we all put our hands into the middle and we all made this like this like circular thing with our hands locked together. And he looked at me and it was a gentleman. He looked at me and goes, "Is you're my brother? You're my brother. You're my brother." And I looked at him in his eyes and I said, "Yes, you are my brother." And there's something about what God does in the spirit that, that is a miracle and it's a mystery that, that we become family and that we hold each other up and we pray for each other and we, and we ask the Lord to do great things. So it's not, it doesn't matter what race or what culture you're from, that, that we are all God's children when we come to Jesus Christ and we ask him to fill our lives. Here he goes, and now he's going to put on, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones. By the way, isn't it kind of cool that you think you chose God, but God chose you first? He loves you. 
He loves the whole world. He says that he, his heart is that none should perish. When he's talking about the elect, he goes, I choose you. You're elected. I choose you. It's not like, I choose you, I don't choose you, I choose you, I don't choose you. He says, I choose you as a human being. I choose all of you. And then he's waiting as he's drawing people to him, and some will choose and some won't. But God chose you first. That's kind of encouraging. He's pursuing you. He's loving you. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. He's talking about the qualities we have now, right? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. So in other words, if you were to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you will see those common words. This is how, this is how we should be living. This is, these are some things we are known, are, we are Christians by our love, right? We have these compassionate hearts. By the way, when it talks about compassionate hearts, Audrey and I have been talking a little bit about what empathy means. Empathy means the difference between sympathy and empathy. Um, she gave a great analogy of, uh, she's listening to um, an author right now that's talking about vulnerability. And, and the difference between empathy and compassion or empathy and, what was the other word? Sympathy, thank you. Is sympathy is somebody falls into a pit and, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Look, they fell into a pit. That's sympathy, right? It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. But empathy goes as I'm going to get in the pit and I'm going to help them out of the pit. And, he, and I think this is what compassion does. It, compassion actually should be better defined as empathy, which means it's like, I want to get to be in your life and in your shoes and I want to be in the pit with you and I want to see you and I want to know you. And this is why for us life groups are so important because if we're not in a small group where we can be seen and heard and somebody knows your story, you're going to live a life that feels isolated and distant and disconnected. And then we find what's, what's happens when we get disconnected. We, we, we add things to our life to try to soothe that disconnection. A lot of times they're unhealthy. But he wants us to have this compassionate heart, this kindness, this humility, this, this meekness. Another word for meekness is gentleness. Patience. These also sound like the fruit of the Spirit. Bearing with one another. This bearing with one another is also really important. And it's, it's realizing that, um, that we really need each other and that we need to be in each other's lives. And we need to... Um, learn how to come closer together without losing your own identity, but you have to come to a place where you, where you really bend towards each other. I'm going to talk about that with husbands and wives for a minute, um, in a minute as well. But, but there's some scripture that talks about these, these one another's for sure, but if you were to, to look at Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, in many ways, again, Romans, Paul writes to the Roman church. He's the same author so, that he wrote to the church in Colossae. But, but he almost, this whole chapter in Romans 12 is almost the same as his thing in Colossians chapter 3. But this is what he says. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And this whole idea of outdoing one another is learning to prefer somebody else. 
Outdo each other in showing honor, which again helps you realize that in a culture that becomes very independent and self-focused, and I think this is something that I've really realized is in many ways, as much as I've loved Jesus and I've, and I've served his church and I keep learning to have my life bend and yield to him, I still realize what I'm, that I still was pretty selfish. And, and I lived my life really focusing on myself a lot and not realizing that if I'm to outdo one another in showing honor, that means I'm preferring them over myself. And there's another scripture that talks about that in Philippians chapter 2, that, that they say prefer one another. That, that preference is, is learning how to come. And it, it deals with empathy as well because you're, you're coming and understanding what that person needs. And you're stepping in their shoes and saying, how do I meet those needs and how do I really cherish you and how do I honor you and how do I think about you higher than our, myself, right? The scripture says, think of others higher than yourself and learning to get our eyes off of us and turning our eyes onto one another. In Ephesians chapter five, again, Paul writes this book to the, the Ephesian church as well. He says this uh, in verse chapter five, verse 25. Oh, this is the wives submit to your husbands. I'll get to there. I'm not going to go there yet. I'm going to get there for a minute. I'm saving the best for last. Did you say, oh dear, Audra? I, I was just wondering. We'll be okay, hon. We'll get through it. I know. You have confidence. You have confidence. All right, here we go. So, so let me finish up this section here back into Colossians before I jump into Ephesians. But the interesting thing is Paul's kind of saying these similar things to these different churches. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. So verse 13, sorry, 16 of chapter 3 in Colossians. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Here we go, back to the word of God. Teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thanksgiving to your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love this too because it's kind of a picture of what our small groups are. Like, I love coming to the big church here. I love celebrating with you. And this is a celebration service. We're instructed by his word. But when we are to be in sing hymns, spiritual songs, encouraging one another, admonishing one another with wisdom and psalms, and, and then we, we have this, this rich life together. This is what he's saying the Christian life should be looking like. We put off those evil things. We put off the fleshly desires. We put on the righteousness of Christ. We put on our love for one another. And as it's defined, right? We prefer others higher than ourselves. He's saying, take your, your eyes off yourself. Keep your eyes on the heavenly things first. Because if you want to be able to minister to each other well, we have to say, God, what are you doing? What am I seeing you do? Keep our eyes on heavenly things. I... I I don't know where I heard this saying, but it's, it's so wrong that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. That saying is so wrong because I think if you're so heavenly minded, you're more earthly good. Because he says, fix your eyes on the things above because when we do, he changes our heart. When we keep coming to him and when we keep surrendering our heart to him, he changes our heart. And guess what? Now we can love better. Does that make sense? All right. In my Bible, this section calls rules for Christian 
um, households. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Father, do not provoke, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged, bondservants or slaves, or I would say workers today. Obey in everything those of your earthly masters or your bosses, not by the way of eye service or lip service, I would say, as people pleasers, but with sincere hearts, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive and in the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. I'm going to take just the first verse of um, chapter 4 because I think it's connected. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let me just talk about husbands and wives, and I'm going to be talking about kids for a little bit here. So in our modern day and age, right, we're saying, is this an old-fashioned way of looking at marriage? Wives, submit to your husbands. What do you think? You don't need to answer. I just want you to ponder on it for a moment. Wives, submit to your husbands. So if you look at that word submit, um, depending on who's wanting the interpretation, if, you, if you're like, I need my woman to clean my house and cook my meal, submit to me, woman. And somebody's getting ready. That's, that's actually creating a lot of negative emotions. Like some of you just want to like go up there and punch me right now. I feel it. I feel it. I'm sorry. It, that stirred some emotion. Any husband that has abused their wife in that way, I just want to say, please ask the Lord to do a deep work in your heart because no man should treat their wife with harshness, with any kind of abuse, with any kind of demanding demeaning. Because if husbands are to love their wives, now we get into Ephesians, as Christ has loved the church, how did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. He went to the cross. He laid down his life. He surrendered all. I think sometimes we, we get hung up on this husband and wife. I think we got to go back further to understand what love is. And, and we have to understand how do we honor each other and prefer each other and consider each other much more higher than ourselves. I think when you begin to understand husband and wife are, um, first of all, it's an image that the world, it is a physical image, a visual image of how Christ loved his church. And if husbands can begin to understand, which it's hard because our world teaches us something different, but if husbands can begin to understand that it starts with us as, as spiritual leaders, that we have a high calling, that the something that God has really shown me recently is I am going to present my wife, Audra, before the Lord someday, and he's going to ask me, how well did you nurture her? Did you love her? Did you cherish her? Did you wash her with the word? How well did she fulfill her calling that I've called her to? How well did, she, did you care for her? How well did you protect her? How well did you see her spirit come alive? How well did, did she uh, flourish underneath your care? Whoa, that's a big responsibility. But guess what? That's our responsibility. 
And so what he's saying, husbands, you are to provide leadership. And now the wives thing is, is wives realize as the husband is to lead you in those ways spiritually, not demeaning, demanding, and not just, hey, hey, get a bunch of stuff done for me, cook my food, do my laundry, clean my house. Shame on us if we've ever thought of that. But, but wives realize that when you can come underneath your husband's care and protection, that's the humility, that's the, the submission, is you're coming underneath his care. Now we say, well, what if my husband doesn't care for me that way? I'll tell you what, the way that you, that you can come and, and pray. By the way, the power of prayer is huge. I think, I think Audrey's been doing a lot of praying for me because I've been doing a lot of changing. And I think there's more power in prayer than there is in us getting on people. If your spouse is not what you think they should be, I, I can almost guarantee you the more that you bring it to their attention and the more that you kind of like uh, badger them with it, the change is not going to be so rapid. <laughs> but when you take it before the Lord and you get on your knees and say, God, I want to fulfill my role that I have towards my spouse and, and I want to just bring out the very best in them, I guarantee you, you're going to start seeing changes in them. Yeah. So, Audrey, do you mind coming up here for a moment? I did ask her for permission, by the way. I'm not putting her on the spot and making a very awkward situation here. So, by the way, Audrey and I will have been married this coming May, 30 years. All right. Sorry, my hands are cold up here, aren't they? Freezing. So I want to let you know that, that something that Audra and I, um, actually, we were just talking about this yesterday. So it's very fresh, very real. That we were just saying, like, how do I, because I know I was going to mention this. It's like, how do we really come to the place of being where we take the scripture and saying, how do we honor each other? How do we outdo each other in preferring one another? How do I nurture her and allow her to live in the calling that God has purposed her? And then I was also reflecting back on, on the way that I've lived. And, and sometimes I've always thought, you know, we think help me, right? She's got to come along and help me satisfy the calling in my life. And again, I, I think that was an unhealthy view of that. I think the better way is like she has needs in her life and I have needs in my life. God has purposed some things in her life. God's purposed things in our life. And he's joined us together. And our job is to nurture, my job is to nurture her and to cherish her and to see her grow. And her job is to, to see what the things that are in my life and, and meet the needs in my life. But I think, you know, one of the things that I've, I've realized is, I, I, I never have put this together before, but, I, but I, the, in Asian culture, not all Asian cultures, because they don't do it in the Philippines, Richie, I don't think. But when they greet each other, they do this, right? They bow to each other. You can bow to me, hon. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, my master. No, but see, see, if I had her say, bow to me, Audra, you don't have to bow to me. Thank you. <laughs> she says, I'm not bowing to you. <laughs> but, but if that was, then, then guess what? It's out of order, because, because now it's about me. And, and I'm saying, I want you to do something for me. As opposed to when we bow together. It's like I am seeing you and what your needs are. I'm bowing to you. 
I'm bowing to my wife to say, hey, how do I come close to you? And the interesting thing is we bow, our heads kind of nice, come nice. Oh, here we go. Look at that. Oh, so beautiful, Audra. So our heads come together, right? And that's a beautiful image of saying, I'm preferring you, you're preferring me. And I, I believe that's what scripture, I think that's good. I think we made our point. I love you, honey. All right. All right. So. I don't think I've ever kissed her in public before. That might have been the first time I've, I think I've ever done that. Um, sorry, Audrey, it's just quite, it, you just brought the best out of me. I just, but, um, but here's, here's the interesting thing. When we begin to treat each other that way, because love is not demanding, right? It doesn't insist on its own way. Scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians 14, I believe those are in there. 13, sorry. And, and the, the image of it is mutual preferring each other. Mutually preferring each other. And, and when a husband is cherishing her and loving her, there is no question that that wife is going to want to just come right underneath that leadership and just say, you're my protection, you're my care, and I trust you. And likewise, right, that, that combination of, of coming together, not one. Now, wives, wives, you might feel like, hey, this is a modern world. You know, I, I'm going to call the shots in my house. Come on, husband, you keep up with me. That's out of order, too. Because one is demanding something of the other one. One is standing strong and, and basically pulling the other one. It can work both ways. But when there is mutual love, respect, and honor, and preferring one another, and you come together, it is beautiful. Because you carry different roles, right? We're going to be held, men, husbands, we're going to be held accountable for the way that we've cared for our wives. And women, I believe the same way. You're going to be held accountable for the way that you can come and, and support your husbands as well. But I can only speak for me as a husband. I've just been highly challenged by that. And I want to give that encouragement to you. I, I'm going to give you some practical... I know we're out of time, so I'm just going to quickly give you some practical things. Read through Colossians chapter 3 again. It's very practical. Say, ask the Lord this question. What do I need to put off? And what do I need to put on? There's going to be a list. There's going to be a list for you. What do I need to put off? And what do I need to put on? Then for husbands and wives, you need to say, okay, how do I bend towards each other? It might take a conversation. It says, it might, you guys might just sit, need to sit down and say, hey, you know what? You know, I've been pretty demanding, or I, I haven't communicated, or I've been hurt, or I've been, how do you move closer together where you're, you're saying, what do you need from me? How can I love you better? How can I love you better? How can I cherish you? How can I serve you? How can I outdo you in honoring you? Next, I want to say to you, husband, I'm making this as an offer to you. I've never done this before, but I feel very compelled to do it. If you are a husband and you want to improve of knowing how to be a husband to your wife... I feel like God has brought me through a little bit of a journey that I have something to share with you um, that I don't have this time this morning. I want you to email me. I'm going to give you my email, mark, M-A-R-K, 
at gccnh.com. Reach out to me. We'll get together. It might be a group of us that get together, but Mark, M-A-R-K, at gccnh.com. If you're watching online and you're in the area, uh, I make this offer to you as well. I feel like that the, because marriage is so important that the enemy wants to divide it and, and um, hurt our marriages, and I feel like that, that it's time to, to be on the offensive in our marriages, and I believe that I have something that I can help you men, you husbands, with, and I'm willing to walk with you to encourage you in that. All right. What are you going to take off? What are you going to put on? Husbands and wives, how are you going to bend towards each other? Not asking one person to bend more than the other, that you're coming together um, in that way. Understanding your roles. The Word of God has spoken to your hearts today. He's given you something very specific for you to walk in. The Holy Spirit's spoken to you. Listen to it. Walk it out. Be obedient to it. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your instruction of your word. How we're to live so practically as Christians, but it is rooted in our love for one another. But it starts by our attention on you, understanding the love that you, you first loved us that we can love and show this world a better way. Husbands and wives, I want to encourage you, do the deep work that's necessary. The world needs an image, a visual image, to show how Jesus loved his church. Sacrificial, pursuing, building up, not tearing down, honoring each other, lifting them up, cherishing one another, loving deeply each other. Father, if we have any unforgiveness in our hearts, Father, I pray that we would bring that to the surface and allow you to bring healing, that we would forgive, maybe not even directly to that person, but Lord, you would allow us to forgive. Father, let us love deeply. Let us allow you to do deep work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.